Dare you, welcome back to Hex, the podcast. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the second track from my Hex EP. It's called Remember Me. Remember Me is out now, and you can listen to it wherever you go to catch up on music, and I hope you like it. I expect you have already heard it, because why else would you be here listening to me yapping about what goes on in my head? I'm grateful that you are, so thank you. For those new to this podcast, may I suggest you pause me now and go listen to the two previous Hex episodes. There is an introduction and there is an episode about C, the first track from the Hex EP. I will be right here when you come back. However, if you are only here because you want to know more about the track Remember Me, then allow me to make a long story short and tell you that I have made this audio to explain a little bit about the thought process behind the Hex songs and the videos accompanying them. In Hex, every song has a video, every video has its own character, and every character is rooted and found in Scandinavian folklore. Remember Me is a song about being haunted. In my case, I was being chased down by dreams that I tried to bury. Haunted by this other Ina inside of me that I had been trying to strangle for years. Thing about burying dreams though, especially when they were as alive as my ones, is that they don't die. They just sort of decompose all around you. My dreams came back with a vengeance and in the end, they forced me to make a choice. I will get back to the story behind this choice later in the podcast. Because Remember Me was based almost entirely on my subconscious trying to remind me of that other part of who I am, I thought it fitting to use Natmara as the character for the video. Natmara is the nightmare. Mara, or the mare, is a demonic character deriving from Germanic folklore, found in different shapes or forms all over the world. For some reason, the Mara, or mare entity, is always described as a feminine. Oh, the prerogatives us girls have dealt with over the decades. It's very interesting, isn't it? How so many demonic and threatening entities have been made out to be female. Witches, mares, fairies, and the pre-Stoker version of the vampire. I would argue that this stigmatization of women springs almost entirely from the minds of sexually oppressed medieval clergymen. But that is a different podcast altogether. We'll do that one another time, shall we? The origin of the word mare is widely discussed. Some research claim that mare, or mare, stems from the Old Norse definition of a female horse. But there is also evidence showing that the word originated from Proto-Indo-European root, rough word, and basically means to harm. I quite like that. 
However, my favorite opinion of mare's origin is based on tracing the core term of the word back to its Greek roots, making it moros, meaning death. And I love that. In Norway, we call nightmares marerit. Directly translated, it means mare ride. It's very literal, isn't it, when you put it like that? The mare comes in the night, sits on your chest, touches her forehead to yours, and literally rides you into the darkness. I said chest. She sits on your chest. Don't get any nasty ideas here. This is not my dad made a porno, although that is one of my favorite podcasts. Norwegians call the symbol of the pentagram et marekosh. Marekosh means the cross of the mare. So she's a character very much related to dark magic and to the witch. Or as we call her in Norway, the hex. See the connection now? Most cultures have a similar phenomenon. The demon Lilith is a night creature with wings found in both Jewish and Christian mythology. The Romans had the incubus, meaning he who lays on top, a male demon who tormented helpless humans in their dreams. They also had the succubus, meaning she who lays underneath, the female version of the incubus. Again, I can't help but wonder what man decided that the feminine demon should be lying underneath while the masculine one stays on top. It seems even when we make-believe, having a penis trumps not having one. And uh, insert indignant silence here. I'm going to sidetrack for a minute and tell you the story of the demon Lilith. Bear with me because this is all connected, and in my geeky folklore opinion, it's a real interesting one. In Jewish and Christian mythology, Lilith is the first wife of Adam. That's Adam, as in Adam and Eve. No one really tells you that. Adam is basically, biblically speaking of course, a divorcee. When Adam wanted Lilith to subject herself to him, she refused on the basis that God had created them both from the same soil at the same time. Lilith is different to Adam's second wife Eve in this respect, because Eve was created from one of Adam's ribs. But Lilith, being the first ever hardcore feminist, held fast that Adam and her should be equal. When Adam did not give in to her demands for equality, she left him. Lilith literally walked out of Eden. I love that story. It should have been in the book of Genesis. Things might have been a little different around here if they had kept her in it. Instead of celebrating Lilith as the absolute queen that she was, history and man turned her brave choices into shame. Because of this, Lilith is mainly known as an overly sexual, very dangerous, baby-stealing demon of the night. It's so depressing, I don't actually know whether to laugh or to cry. <laughs> the reason I'm telling you all of this is because it's important to remember that history dictates everything. That's why we need to keep learning from it. Just take the word demon. Everyone knows it. 
It's the word that conjures up images of devils, hell, and horror. Demon is a Latin word deriving from the ancient Greek daimon. And daimon translates to god or godlike. It can also mean power or fate. Yep, not so scary now, is it? My point is, the victor of the war always decides how the story goes. Don't judge a demon by its legend. There are always two sides to every story. Speaking of demons and two sides, I think it's about time that I tell you a little more about myself and about my single, Remember Me. That is the reason for this podcast, after all. Most of you will know that I have been a songwriter for other artists for a long time. And before that, it was the same old story. I was signed to a label as a very young kid, had plans to take over the world, did not take over the world, got dropped from my record deal in the US and had no idea what to do with myself. I didn't like who I was back then. We all have different sides to us and the Ina in charge of my early adulthood had become a very fiery, self-obsessed and slightly deluded version of me. I decided to suppress her and become something that was easier for me and the people that I love to live with. I basically locked away my own demon inside of me, leaving her to mature on her own. My publisher at the time asked me if I wanted to try my hand at writing pop songs for other people. And because I still had all these songs inside of me, I decided to give it a go. I gave myself six months to see if I could do this. Part of the change I wanted was that I had to start making a living somehow. My poor parents had been partially paying my rent for long enough at this point. I got lucky. The right people with the right projects heard my songs. And slowly I started making a career for myself being a songwriter. And I loved songwriting. I still do. It allowed me to stay in complete control over my own schedule. And it offered total freedom to be whoever I wanted to be in the studio that day. You see, to me, songwriting is sort of like acting. You can't possibly retain a normal life if you are going to experience everything you are writing about yourself. So you act out emotions and situations based on whatever you want. I used to ride um, public transportations around London in my first years of living there. Eavesdrop in on random conversations. Just to get inspiration. Rude, but true. So careful what you say in public, people. Songwriters are everywhere. As a songwriter, I got to write in all these different genres and learn from all these amazing co-writers. But deep down, I think I always knew that this was never going to be enough. See, the thing about songwriting for me is that when you are constantly writing with other people in mind, you dilute yourself, sort of like pouring water into your wine. I never felt completely free in my writing for others because, well, I couldn't be. Two years ago, I came face to face with my demon 
for the first time in almost a decade. I found myself in the middle of an impossible situation, and I don't think I have ever felt so humiliated and defeated as I did back then. I decided that I would never be put in that position again. But if I was going to take that stance and make it actual reality, I had to make a choice. I had to become myself completely and embrace all parts of me. No compromises. I left London after that. I left to find myself, and that sounds so lame, I know. And then I went home to Norway. At first, it was really hard. I didn't know if I could write songs without the producers, the studios, and the co-writers. I really didn't know if I had it in me on my own anymore. I bought an ancient piano that I can't play for the life of me. Um, but the piano is an old lady with brass candle holders and a shelf for my wine, so I don't really think she has an issue with that. Slowly... With time, I started to remember how Ina writes. Last summer, I agreed to have this new production team come over to my house in Norway and write for a few days. We emerged ourselves in music for four days straight. It was amazing. And on the second day, sort of around midnight, Remember Me showed her face. We were listening to our favorite music, We sometimes do that in the studio um, to get inspiration. And I played them one of my favorite arias of all time, Dido's Lament, from the opera Dido and Aeneas. Henry Purcell wrote it in the late 1600s, and it is a stunning piece of music. In the opera, Dido is committing suicide because her lover Aeneas left her. When he defies the gods and comes back to her, she's like, nah, it's it's too late now. You left me, so... It is so extra. And honestly, embarrassingly, parts of me can relate to that so hard. It's like, well, you didn't want me before, so I'm just gonna die now. (laughs) When I heard that opera for the first time in my mid-teens, I remember it's pathetic of her to give up like that to love, life, work, whatever. Now that I'm older, I can understand her defeat and her resignation in a slightly clearer way. Still, I would kill myself for no man, except for my little son, that is, of course. But you know, this piece was written over 200 years ago by a man, so we'll excuse Dido that one. I think resigning from anything really comes down to a fear of believing in yourself. Believing in all parts of yourself. Remember Me was written to remind myself of that. I came pretty close to resigning that time, two years ago in London, and I never want to feel like that again. I used to be so afraid of my own dreams. Remember Me forced me to make peace with them. The only way to overcome something is either to defeat it or make friends with it. I believe in peace, so I chose the latter. My demon, my power, my fate, the mare. 
I'm grateful to her and I'm not afraid of her anymore because she is me. In the opera, Dido sings, remember me, remember me, but oh, forget my fate. I will never forget again. Beware of the mare. She is the consequence. She is the demon. She is the you that you forgot. Mara is the fear, and the fear is Mara. I embrace her. Well, that's it. Rant is over. If you enjoyed these rambles of mine, please come back next time to hear about the third track from the Hex EP. It's called Mine. And let me know what you think of the songs. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please say hi. I love to hear from you. And finally, thanks for listening. It means the world to me that you are here. <laughs>